wonderful, majestic world around us. It's time for Dear Science. Thanks to Motat, the museum inspiring the innovators of tomorrow. Kia ora, Davide. Kia ora, Nick. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. How are you doing today? Oh, not too bad. Not excellent, too bad. excellent. I'm very excited for Dear Science today. Yeah. Looking forward to it. What do you have up for us first? Uh, three um, very interesting and different stories today. Um, one is about um, coaching and coaching styles and uh, the way managers can handle people better. Yes, yes. I was looking forward to this one. I've is definitely had some coach, coaching experiences that probably were the best. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So um, this is a study that comes from the US Case Western Reserve University. And uh, they ran a neuroimaging study on uh, uh, um, you know tens of participants in which they were trying to understand how the brain responds to different coaching styles. Yes. The, the, the brain of, of, let's say, participants that would resemble employees in companies. Mm. And what they did, they, they ran uh, functional MRI studies on the brain while they were doing simulations of uh, uh, coaching sessions that were in the shape of Zoom um, interviews or anyway, um, you know, training sessions. Yeah. Uh, they were like simulation of Zoom meetings effectively. Interesting. Right? And uh, they started uh, um, looking at the, at the brain and how the brain responded to different styles and they started seeing something very, very interesting. And the first thing that they saw is that there is a conflict in the way the brain responds to an ideal picture that you have of yourself and a real picture that you have of yourself. So mm. there is this kind of conflict in the mind of people. And of course, I mean, it's about addressing one or uh, um, uh, the other for, for a coach or anyway, a teacher, yes. right? which one you nurture yes. in a way. Right. So um, the research basically found that if you focus on one's aspirations and dreams, uh, as opposed to, let's say, the immediate problems that that individual must solve in order to get on with their everyday job, you may have a better outcome on the positive growth of the individual. Really? That's incredible. If you nurture, let's say, the ideal self rather than the real self, you may have a larger impact on that, that employee, uh, which is not exactly what it gets uh, done yeah, uh, always, right? Because managers do not really focus very often on, I don't know, feelings like hope, compassion. Uh, sometimes they have uh, they have more like the web, uh, yeah, yeah. and uh, and that's how they string people along. What do you uh, think that looks like practically? Like if you're a coach or a manager and you're using that kind of science, what, what would that look like in terms of how you speak? And yeah, every, in, in terms of everyday, uh, let's say, interactions with your employee. And, you know, academics, in a way, they do have to deal with these kind of problems because mm-hmm. when they have research groups, they have to manage people. And sometimes uh, um, the, 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 the individual that they manage, they are students, right? Yes, they, have, yeah. they have all their lives in front of them and uh, they have the possibility of becoming... Um, the best they can, let's Mm. say, right? So you have to nurture that in a way. In the everyday interaction, it would be more about not looking at the problem that is in front of you, but looking at what you can develop as a Mm. whole, right? Uh, And make sure that you basically focus on the aspiration rather than focusing on solving this problem and after this problem you solve the next one, right? So it's instead of having like a narrow view on the development of a project, you have a, ne- you have a wider view on the development of the individual. Yep. And according to this study, effectively, if the individual feels that uh, 
they say the ideal self so that they can chase their ideal self rather than the real view of themselves right they will perform on that particular project and all the other tasks that they are exposed to every day in a much better way that's incredible right? because they are actually trying to reach something that is they basically tend towards their ideal selves yeah and that is what uh, this particular bit of research um, say seems to suggest right mm. uh, which which reflects on the fact that of course I mean uh, we have uh, to implement probably findings that come from studies like this into the way we teach coaches yeah. and teachers and managers uh, yeah. to, to manage people let's I mean, say I guess the implementation part's the hard part but there's definitely I've met a lot of people who have that natural ability to connect and there's that famous story about um, Phil Jackson, the coach of the Chicago Bulls, <laughs> and Dennis Rodman in the middle of the playoffs goes like, Phil, I need to go to Las Vegas for 48 hours and party. He leaves for 48 hours, come back, and then has the best game ever, you know? You go, Knowing yeah. what people need is, is the key, right? Exactly, right? Rather than what people must do, um, mm. and you know, focusing on that particular like little task that doesn't really uh, improve the person and the way the person delivers on a job, uh, it's probably much, much, much better way to go. At least Excellent. according to this research, which is actually based on looking at the brain rather than speaking to people in a way, right? This is an indirect uh, suggestion. Backed by neuroscience. Exactly. What do you have up for us next, David? Um, um, I have a story about sunflowers um, and uh, how they look for the sun. Interesting. Uh, and uh, there's, uh, there's like a new bit of research which was very funny actually to read. And um, they, they studied sunflowers. You know, sunflowers are pretty special the way they actually move from east to west during the yeah. day uh, when there is a sunny day. And uh, uh, so it, it is a well-known phenomenon in, in plants, right? If you have a plant that can actually, um, that you expose the plant to certain conditions, the plant will always look for the water, will look for the light, yeah. right? So in a way, it's not surprising that sunflowers do the same. Mm. And researchers in this case wanted to see if um, some flowers would be different from other uh, plants, right? Um, the ability of plants to look for light is called phototrophism, while the ability of sunflower to look for the sun, they say the sunlight, is called heliotrophism, right? Interesting. Um, and uh, what they did was like having uh, controls and like experiments in which a bunch of sunflower were actually grown into indoor conditions, through mm. indoor conditions, and another, um, let's say, set of experiments was conducted on sunflowers grown into wide, let's say, outdoor conditions, right? And they saw uh, that the genetic activation was different between the the plants that were grown indoor with lighting conditions and everything and the plants that were uh, grown outdoor. So it looks like that some flowers do not follow every other plant's genetic pathways in order to follow the sun, Incredible. but they activate completely different sets of genes where they are in the sun. When you grow them indoor, they follow the same pathways that other plants follow. Regardless of, oh, so they... When they don't have the sun, let's say, yeah. right? Um, so uh, uh, people, are, uh, researchers are still trying to understand if uh, these genetic pathways are actually unique to sunflowers, so they exist in other plants. Yeah. Um, the other interesting thing is that it's not about shutting the wavelength of the sun, and they do not follow heliotrophism anymore. Uh, it's because they have a way of like redundantly look for sunlight mm. through their genetic pathways, which is like something that is pretty unique. And the other thing that is cool 
is that uh, when you move the indoor um, sunflowers from uh, to the outdoors, they start switching genetic pathways, which some kind of rewiring that happens in, in the sense that the shaded parts of the plants then starts to activate these genes more prominently. Incredible. Right. So, uh, so they... The, sorry, the indoor sunflowers aren't having to look for sun because it's the artificial ones there all the time. Is yeah. that what makes the difference? Yes. And, and basically, when you move those plants outdoor, they have the ability to actually rewire their genetic transcription mm. so to look for the sun for whatever that's awesome yeah. sunflowers eh <laughs> yes sunflowers they are uh, they are very cool flowers let's say and uh, yeah so um besides sunflowers going back to humans i yes. I, I do have like a, a little story which is about language and the way people think uh, if you want to know more and this is about the study of some indigenous communities in australia Mm -hmm. um, after the realization, some time ago, there was a linguist, linguist that actually noticed that the Hopi people in the Arizona desert, you know, Native American, Native American people of, of Arizona, nowadays Arizona, they had a language that didn't account for the, for the consumment of time. Um, so they didn't have the cons consumment of time. They didn't have the concept of time in their yeah. language, right? And uh, this triggered this linguist to, uh, th this was not exactly true. They had other ways of making up within the language to, to express time, yeah. let's say. But um, this triggered researchers and people to think that the way we speak, the way our language is wired actually defines the way we think. And this is an active way of research, right? Yeah. Do, um, uh, you know, I, I speak Italian and English and, uh, you know, you speak Tereo and uh, yeah. English and do we think differently? Do we approach, you know, our learning differently? So this yeah. research has actually carried out uh, uh, this study on uh, um, a tribe, uh, an, Australia, uh, an Australian um, tribal community mm. it, that uh, has got this um, very different way of speaking very different way of speaking is basically summarizable into free wording, uh, meaning uh, they do not have a, a certain order in which they construct sentences. Mm. And they have these uh, um, you know, polysemantics, meaning that one word can actually express many different things and can actually express very, very complicated concepts. So is it just context and just tonality and stuff like that, that correct um basically it's like the way they rearrange words or the context they use one word to express very different concepts because one word relates to concepts that are either very complicated or different effectively different it's right? incredible how i guess the english language we've got so many words for the same thing that i think yeah i, I actually it down yeah i actually re read that the english language is one of the languages with most words. Um, mm. Roughly, I think if you look at the dictionary, it's 700,000 or so. 700,000? 700,000, yeah. It's too many. <laughs> I think, yeah, there, there are languages that are that are bigger than that, mm. but not many. That's um, incredible, yeah. In, in the rankings. But anyway, uh, to cut a long story short, it comes out that basically what they did, they did, did some eye tracking on uh, um, people that could speak this language. And they saw that basically there was like a relational, uh, um, relational response to the way they would construct sentences with the way they would actually think about the concepts. And trying to actually suggest that 
So this, this study somehow suggests that there is a difference in the way people would think that comes from the way people construct the way of describing reality, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So they describe reality according to the language and the language shapes their minds, Whoa. let's say, mm. which, which also means that probably the way of teaching concepts needs to be a little bit more tailored um, in a way to the way people think, mm. right? Mm. You can get more out of people. Uh, but anyway, yeah, pretty much these were the three stories that I had today. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Davide. Very special thank you. And thank You're you welcome. to Motet. Thank you. Thank you to Science. Well, I didn't know that before. Dear Science, thanks to Motat, the museum inspiring the innovators of tomorrow.